welcome, church. I'm glad you're here. Some of you are like, I, you, well, I don't know what you would have done with the, the phone when it, when it went in the toilet. Some of you are like, no worries. Some of you would have thrown it. Actually, you would have left it there. Just own it. Uh, hey, you're a part of the new series. We started off uh, last week called Trending. So uh, some of you are brand new, though, and you, you don't, I want you to teach you something about Fountain Springs. We're not just one church in one location. We have multiple locations. So there is a location at the Rapid City Minimum Unit. So fellows at RCMU, we're so glad that you're in on this. We're all together launching out this series called Trending. If you don't know what trending is, I don't have time to help you. Uh, in short, it's what everyone's talking about online. So some of you are like, does that mean it's good? No, it doesn't mean it's good. It could mean it's bad. It could be good. It's all messy and, and horrible. So last week, we launched into what's trending in your life. That's what the whole series is about. What's actually trending in your life? Not what do you hope would happen if someone were to describe you and what would they say? Uh, not what do you hope you're actually doing? What is trending right now in your life? Last week, we talked about are you available to God and to people? Are you available or are you self-centered? It's one of those things like, well, everyone would say, well, I'm super, super available to everybody. Except, and you have your list, and we walk through this idea of being completely available to the people that God puts in front of us and especially to God. So let me just open up what this week's about regarding trending. Or do you trend truthfulness? If you don't know what truthfulness is, it's telling the truth. Truthfulness or deception, deceitfulness. What's trending? Do you have a tendency in your conversations, okay, to exaggerate a bit to help the story be better or, or to protect someone? Or do you not say certain things that you know about? Like for you, if your friends were to describe you, and that's the risky part, even better yet, if your children were to describe you, would they call you a, a truthful person? Would they say that, that you say the truth all the time? Would your coworkers, <laughs> would they say that about you? Or would you say, you know what, it's, it's situational. It's circumstantial. Do you think the truth and the power of the truth and the necessity of the truth hinges on what's going on? And some would say, well, truth is good in some certain situations and some not. So I want you to consider, process, think about it. I really want you to think about is what would others say? Because sometimes we're not super honest about ourselves. What would others say? Do you lie or, or do you tell the truth? And this is a pivotal conversation as we go through this. Now, let me help you understand why this is such a <clears throat> well, prevalent topic in our culture. Uh, let's talk sports for a little bit. Some of you are like, oh, we're going to talk sports just for a little bit, then we'll move on. If you're a baseball fan, uh, that means you love the Kansas City Royals and they're awesome. And so you're, and if you're a baseball fan, some of your heroes have been outed in the sense that uh, we found out that, that they were doing performance enhancing drugs. Some of my heroes growing up, Mark McGuire. I mean, I remember the Bash Brothers. I know I'm dating myself a bit like that, but I remember watching these guys and I thought, oh, that's all, as a kid, like I want to be that strong and that's natural. That's awesome. They're great people. Then we found out that they used drugs to get to that point. Now, not all of them have acknowledged that. <laughs> okay, you're not baseball fans. Football. Okay? Sometimes people say amen when I say football. It's really weird. And uh, Football. You know that in football, there, there's always something going on. Uh, recently, let's just call it deflate gates, right? <laughs> now, some of you are emotionally way too attached to the situation. If you're unfamiliar with this, you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, someone may have let air out of the footballs as an advantage. Some say it wasn't. Some 
well, what Tom Brady on the Patriots said he didn't do it. If, if you're a Patriots fan, you just need to know uh, we can't trust you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to be judgmental. You just, your, team, your team can't not cheat for some reason. Uh, this is totally my time. I'm on stage. You're not, so I got to talk this way. <laughs> Martha Stewart. Some of you are like, I mean, I want, I, she, she decorates and stuff. I, I don't know all the details of this woman, what she does. But there was a moment that she lied regarding stocks that she owned and this and that, and she got put into prison. She, she lied. Uh, I, I did some study, and there was, there's many books written about how to spot a liar. I'm going to open up. Did you know that men have a tendency? They, they lie more about themselves. I know that shocks everyone in here. <laughs> everyone listening, like, really? No, men lie about themselves. Women lie to protect other people. Now, ladies, if you're like, oh, we're so noble. Well, you're still lying, okay? <laughs> now, let's go what perhaps we all know about. Not too long ago, there was a, a gentleman. He was the news guy for nearly the whole world. When you wanted to know pressing news, this guy told it. His name's Brian Williams. Now, notoriously, he's known as a guy who exaggerates the truth. He exaggerated a specific story about himself. He was reporting on the war and and, and told everybody that he was in a helicopter that was shot. And the problem was, is that wasn't true. In fact, they did a whole news story honoring some of the guys that were in that aircraft with them. And, and the whole world began to see Brian Williams as, that's awesome that you were in that. We're glad that you're safe. And the problem was, it came out that he, uh, he, they, he wasn't shot. The, the aircraft wasn't shot. So he came on national television to apologize but as you listen to it, and you get to see this, it wasn't really that much of an apology. So let me, let me help you. Take a look at, at Brian Williams, I think apologizing about a lie. Take a look. On this broadcast last week, in an effort to honor and thank a veteran who protected me and so many others after a ground fire incident in the desert during the Iraq war invasion, I made a mistake in recalling the events of 12 years ago it did not take long to hear from some brave men and women in the air crews who were also in that desert. I want to apologize. I said I was traveling in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire. I was instead in a following aircraft. We all landed after the ground fire incident and spent two harrowing nights in a sandstorm in the Iraq desert. This was a bungled attempt by me to thank one special veteran and by extension, our brave military men and women, veterans everywhere, those who have served while I did not, I hope they know they have my greatest respect and also now my apology. I don't know if you believe it or not. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know where you're at. He, he says he made a mistake recalling the information. My guess is if, if you and I were ever in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire, we'd, we'd remember it. Uh, that doesn't, that doesn't go away. And, and whether he lied or not, or whether wherever you are on that side of the story, there's tons of examples of, of, of lying. We, we would all admit that when someone lies to us, it hurts. When someone lies to us, it's not what we wanted. Uh, and, and lying is a big deal. In fact, I, I went online and, and through the different social media places, I, I asked everybody who wanted to give their opinion, uh, what, why do people lie? And, and it's anything, why, why do you think people lie? And so I began to get these answers, and I, I summarized them. Uh, the, the, the third of, of the top three that I'll give you was shame. 
Right? Many of us lie. We don't say the situation because we're, we're embarrassed by it or, or if other people know what actually happened or, or what we didn't do or what we did. There's, there's a shame bit that, that fills our hearts, and we don't, we don't want others to know that. Uh, the second one it was protection. We lie to protect ourselves or, or, or we lie to protect other people. And so we, we bend the truth, as we say. It's interesting when we lie, we don't say we lied. We, we bent the truth. So, and so we, we, we protect the, the top one, the top one, which I think you probably know already, the top one was just flat out fear. That, that's often when I ask my kids, uh, why did you not tell the truth? Well, I was afraid that I would get in trouble. I was afraid that I would lose something. And I would always say, you were right. <laughs> it, we, we often lie because we're afraid. So, so let me just again press the question to your side of the table. What, what's trending in your life? What would your coworkers, your children, your friends, your family, your parents, what would people around you, the people you go to school with, what would they say about you? That Do you tell the truth or do you exaggerate? Are you deceptive? Do you mislead people to get your own personal gain or do you just tell the truth? Now, now this is not just a, a self-help moment. You're, you and I know that the Bible talks about telling the truth all over the place. And I'm gonna tell you a particular story, a notorious story about lying. It's in Genesis chapter 25. If you're brand new to the Bible, if you don't know where Genesis is, it's the first book of the Bible. So you're welcome for that. It makes it easy for you to remember. Genesis chapter 25 opens up a story that I wanna make sure you know. So here's, here it goes. Genesis 25 verse 19. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. Now stop for a minute. This is, this is extra credit, what I'm about to tell you. He prayed on behalf of his wife. Oftentimes we read the Bible fast and we're like, I'm gonna get what this means. Don't, don't miss this part. He prayed on behalf of his wife. So let me talk to the married people right now. How often are you praying on behalf of the person you're married to. You, you need to be doing that. Oftentimes our, our prayers are, are for us, what we want either other people to do or, or what we need and want. Make sure everyone, you got, you're married, you got kids in the home, be, be praying on behalf of other people. Interceding, talking to God about them. It, one of the profound parts of this scripture, again, this is extra credit. If you forget it, it's okay. You'll still pass the test. But don't miss this part. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife <clears throat> because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. For those of you who have had twins, you are heroes. I cannot imagine having more than one baby in the house at one time. You deserve a medal of some sort, if there were that. Uh, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. I'm just going to let you settle on that and get a mental picture. A hairy garment. <laughs> so they named him Esau. After this, the, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. For those of you who want to take the Bible literally, I recommend you not 
start trying to have children at 60, but I'm not gonna tell you what to do. But watch this, watch this. And this is where the story really begins to open up. Verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. I mean, he's hairy, that, I don't know. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, this is big, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. If you're wondering if you just heard that correctly, you did, favorites. Mom had a favorite, dad had a favorite. The problem is, is that gets messy and dangerous because it impacts a whole family when you play favorites. And, and the favorite game got played out in a horrible way. In fact, as you saw this, you know that there were twins and, and Esau barely won that race, but he won that race. He was the firstborn, and Esau, you need to know, based on this culture, meant he was the firstborn. He had certain rights and privileges that no other child would have in that family. He would get a blessing from his dad and, and an inheritance from his dad. Nobody else got it like he got it. However, there was some manipulation going on. Jacob and his mom began to conspire on how to take that from Esau. Now, I hope you understand this in, in your context, in my context. Uh, many of us have been a part of families where an inheritance has ripped the family apart. Where what money is going where and how things are spent and, and how your parents are cared for at the end of their life, all of that begins to tear a family apart. If you haven't experienced it, you've heard about it. Can you imagine your family experiencing such a thing, which some of you have, where you knew what your inheritance was, it was declared, launched out, you know exactly what's gonna happen, but then someone took it from you and you related to them. And that's where things heat up. Some of you know families who don't talk to each other anymore because of circumstances just like this. So Rebecca and Jacob began to conspire on how they would steal all of this from the older brother and they were victorious. A bunch of lies and deceit were spread out, and, and he was able to manipulate all of this from Esau, and not only so, got to go in front of Isaac and begin to lie and, and deceive. It got so bad that grudges began to develop. I mean, this would happen in any family. So watch how this plays out in chapter 27. Verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. I mean, you see the intensity of, of the grudge. You see where lie is leading this family, but it doesn't even stop there. When Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once. I mean, you see what this lie, this deceit has led to. The family is breaking apart. That's what lies do. Lies always break something. Lies always break something. You may think that you're fixing something or saving something, but lies always break something. Maybe small, maybe large, but lies will break your character. Lies will break relationships. Many of you know about marriages that were broken because of lies. Every one of us knows about a friendship that was broken by a lie. Lies always break something, and God knows this. This is not a secret, this is, this is not surprise God. But you got a family in the Bible separating, going, run, run, get away, and, and, and life is being threatened, and this is nasty and horrible. The family looks like it's falling apart. 
And you and I have experienced such things, whether it be at work or at school, whether it be in your own homes or just a friendship, lies break things. And this is why, see, when you understand what God taught us, a rule or a law doesn't seem hurtful or painful or restrictive when you see what God's saying. He's trying to protect you and I from, from lying in the pain of it. So that's why God said, 10 things. I'm giving you 10 rules, 10 commandments. Every one of us has heard of 10 commandments or you've at least seen the movie. <laughs> There's these 10 rules, 10 commandments that God declared. Moses goes up, he gets these 10 rules. God doesn't give 11 at the time. He says, here's 10. And in that 10, if you're not familiar with the 10 commandments, inside that 10, one of them is don't lie. I mean, you, you and I read the thou shouts and we get lost in the thou and who shout and what in the world does that mean? And, and I love the, the message translation of the commandment. No lies about your neighbor. You're like, so can we lie about the people like on the other block? No, this is not a literal translation. Don't lie about people. Don't lie at all. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and you've got to think, God knew this. God knew that the pain that comes from when someone lies to you, he knew what would happen. It would break your heart. And that's why verses like John 3.16 come alive, for God so loves you. So a commandment of don't lie was meant to protect you and I. And here's, here's what I want you to know about lying, because this is important. I don't want you to miss this. What you need to know, before you speak a lie, you believe a lie. Before you can ever speak a lie, you've already internally, in your mind, believed a lie of some sort. In fact, there's a, there's a, a pattern of a lie. You, you, you believe it, then you speak it, then you live it. That's why some of you right now, this is, this is how life works, is you're living a lie. You're afraid someone's going to find out that something. Some of your marriages are literally on the line right now. No one knows it but you. Some of you, your children don't know how to tell you the truth. Some of you at work, if they discovered something, things would just implode. When you hold a lie, you understand the destruction a lie can do. I put in here, and I don't want to miss this. The why you should lie, the quote, the why you should lie is always a lie. Some of us are brilliant at coming up with, oh, I know... I lied, but, but, but here's why. And you think it's a protection, or, and you're like, this is best, this is good. Uh, the, the why, by the way, is, is always a lie. It's what the devil has successfully put in and said, and tricked you, and I does it all the time, where we think that we're lying and it's for good. If lying, listen, were good, God would have done it. But God never trended lying. God always trended truthfulness. So let me, let me flip the conversation. Somebody's like, I know lying's bad, David. Like, I, let me list out all the liars. So I'm not gonna make people stand up and declare who the liars are in their life because that would be awkward. So, so, so why tell the truth? This is pivotal. This is big. You cannot have grace, listen, without truth. You cannot have grace without truth. And every one of us craves grace. We all want grace. In fact, we'll, we'll preach this and talk this like everyone deserves grace. We love people that's, that's love people and we want grace, but you cannot have grace without truth. Truth is, is the payment. Truth helps open up that door and say, okay, now grace can happen. Watch this. The Bible says, James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Now, be honest with each other. Tell the truth to each other. But watch what it says so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. 
If deductive reasoning just tells you to understand that means that healing, especially spiritual and emotional, healing cannot occur unless the truth is put on the table. But the devil will tell you that if you put the truth on the table, that all things fall apart and nothing will be healed. Some of you, do you want a relationship in your life healed? Do you want your own heart healed? The truth needs to be put on the table. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, and if you're like, in other words, confession, if we tell the truth, if we tell the truth about our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But you've got to put the truth out. And, and see, all of us get this. Like, yes, yes, uh, you cannot have grace without truth. And, and, and many of us right now are going, oh, I can't wait to share this message with all the liars in my life. I can't wait. Post that thing quick. And then you're going to share it. And like, oh, this person lies. I'm going to covertly just, it's going to happen to just fall into their mailbox. I don't know how it happened. And, and you want all the liars in your life. You're, you're mad that that liar is not here. Listen, listen. This is not just a sermon for liars. For those of you lying, some of you are lying because you think you have good reason. So I'm gonna tell you the other side of the statement that all of us need to listen to. You cannot have grace without truth. Listen, and the more grace you give, the more truth you get. So I hope you're seeing both sides because you've got one side saying, yeah, don't lie. Tell the truth. Tell the truth and so grace can happen. And you're like, yeah, yeah, make sure all the liars know that. But some of you have not given any room for anybody to tell you the truth. In fact, if we put everybody into your living room and watched you and your spouse interact, would we come away going, oh, that couple, they give each other a lot of grace, or there's no room at all for grace? Uh, parents, can we talk for a second? <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm guilty. There, there's days that I don't give my kids very much grace, and what it does is it causes them to back up from me where they're not gonna offer me as much truth because they're afraid of how that truth is gonna get responded to. If you want people to give you truth, you need to give them grace. Your homes need to be full of grace. Hey, bosses, your, your workplaces needs to be full of grace. Students, when you go to school, make sure that everyone around you knows that you will offer grace in the midst of truth. You are a safe person. You are a safe person. Now you think, well, David, do we, do we enable all the bad stuff? No, but grace is not connected to that. Grace is saying, hey, I'm not going to kill you for this. I'm not going to go back at you. There will be natural consequences. But grace is what you and I are called to do, give. So for those of you who are lying, that are hoping that you can tell the truth, you need people to offer in your life. If you'll just tell me the truth, I will give you grace. Some of you right now, when you go home, you need to have that conversation with your kids or your spouse. Some of you have to have conversations with your friends. Say, hey, you can always tell me the truth, and I will give you grace, and we will walk this together. Watch this story concludes. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 33. Jacob looked up. And there was Esau. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, if you don't know this about Jacob and Esau, see, I'm about to tell you, someone, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to believe me, so I'm just going to prep you on this, okay? Disclaimer. Some of you are like, I'm not going to believe you, so I'm going to Google it, and you're going to trust Google more than me. It really hurts me, but don't worry. You're going you're gonna, to, listen, listen, I'm going to tell you something that's very true. I, I, I dare you to try to figure this out. 
Jacob and Esau are about to have an interaction. Do you know that all the pain and the strife, the tension, the animosity, the war in the Middle East, do you know that it can be tracked back? Just like any argument can. I mean, you bring your kids in front of you, who did what? And you begin to track it back. Who did what first? And you begin to go back, why did you do this? Do you know that you can go back to why did the Middle East tension, why does it exist now? You can go back to the beginning. I can tell you where the beginning is. Jacob and Esau. See, what I'm about to read to you is they're gonna reconcile. But that didn't mean everyone else was willing to reconcile. Uh, Watch this. This is Genesis chapter 33. Jacob looked up. And there was Esau coming with his 400 men. (laughs) I mean, you gotta come prepared. Coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front. So I mean, if you're having troubles liking Jacob, I just helped that. (laughs) Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear, he himself went ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. Oh, you see the grace? You see the grace that's being extended even though Esau had his birthright, his blessing stolen. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. Are you a person that someone could come to and confess to? Is that you? Are you trending grace? Are you trending in such a situation where someone could say, hey, I need, I need to confess something to you? Or are they so afraid of your reaction, your, your legalism, your, your judgment? Are they so afraid that they don't think they can speak that to you? Some people are lying to you because you have set up a culture of fear. In fact, as you heard my online scientific study, most of us would agree that we just flat out don't tell the truth because we're afraid. Are you trending truthfulness or deceit? I'm gonna tell you a story and you need to know this is a very personal story. I'll give you a bit of a disclaimer to this story. I did ask permission. I'm gonna tell you a story about my son and I. Now, 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 for those of you who need to know this, any story I ever tell you, I always ask permission, but it's just important. I want you to know that before I tell you the story. Uh, my son and I, my oldest son, his name's Hayden. He's gonna turn 12 soon, and uh, this was a, about a year, year and a half ago. He and I were, were driving in my truck. We have been running errands, doing different stuff throughout the day, and, and, and frankly, to be very open with you, um, Hayden was with me in the truck running errands with me because he had not made some wise decisions. <laughs> Many of you know that situation where your wife or someone looks at you and says, take that kid, and have them go with you. We need some peace. So Hayden and I ran errands to have some, have some talking time. So I began to press at Hayden because he had done some things and I was asking him, you know, tell me about this. I, I want to know, know why. Now there have been times as a parent, I'll confess to you, that I haven't even gotten into why. We just jumped straight to punishment. And those were bad moves on my part begin to press it, Hayden, why, why this decision and why that? And begin to ask him. And, and begin to, he began to tell me. Hayden literally just, like a very vulnerable young man, began to tell me what he was thinking, kind of the why behind some of the decisions he had made. 
And mid-sentence, as he was saying some very personal things, mid-sentence he stopped and went into a bit of a shock look. And he looked at me and he's like, oh, oh, oh. Are these things that, that dad and sons are supposed to talk about? Or, or am I just supposed to keep this to myself? It's one of those moments I, I wasn't ready for and planned for. I hadn't strategically thought through. When my son asked me what we're allowed to talk about, I will, no, 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 it, it caught me off guard. But this is how the Holy Spirit works, God's Spirit helps you talk when you don't know what to say. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, oh, Hayden, these are the things that dads and sons talk about. The personal things. The stuff that you don't want other people really to know about or that you're embarrassed to share. Or, Yeah, these are the things that we talk about. And I saw his countenance have peace just consume him. And he began to talk more freely and say, okay, well, here's what I was thinking. And we began to walk through what he had done and the whys. It's a very profound moment. My son, my son knows that he can go to dad and mom. And as, as ugly as the confession may seem to him, we're going to give him grace. Have you trended that in your life? I have not perfectly. I'm not trying to tell you a story going, oh, the Canaan family, woo, we got it together. No, in fact, his question was a result of times that I did not show grace to him. And he was feeling that out. What are you trending? Have you been trending a bit of a lying thing where, where, where you're afraid you're afraid to open up and you're afraid to reveal what's really in your heart or what you've really done and you don't know if grace is going to be offered to you and you don't know how to play that out. Are you someone who's been unwilling to give grace? Let's have a deeper conversation here. The beginning place of all grace is Jesus. You have been shown a level of grace that is very powerful. And should you choose to accept that grace for you, not only is now different, eternity is different for you. 